Hey everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we are going to be talking about what happened with First Republic. So why they went under, what JP Morgan did to save them, and then what comes next because this banking crisis keeps on going down. So First Republic got its start making really big mortgages to really rich people in San Francisco. The founder was like, listen, like there's a lot of really expensive houses here. I'm sure that these very wealthy San Francisco tech people would love to have some big old mortgages to finance these homes that they're buying. That worked well for a while, and then Merrill Lynch bought First Republic and then others, and then finally the founder was able to buy the bank back. Over the past few years, they've been doing okay, right? Like all the banks were kind of doing okay, ultra low interest rates, people were saving a lot of money because of the pandemic. Then all of a sudden the Fed began to raise rates. Like we saw with Silicon Valley Bank, First Republic was like, yikes, our business model is not predicated on higher interest rates. When the rich people that banked with First Republic were like, listen, you gotta be paying us a little bit more to be keeping our money here. First Republic was like, yikes, okay, whoa. we have two types of mortgage, low interest rate mortgages and then interest only mortgages, about $137 billion across both of those things. And when the Fed is raising rates, both of those things are becoming less and less valuable. In fact, they're so less valuable that they'd be worth about $20 billion less than face value if we had to sell off these mortgages. We also have $8 billion in markdowns on other loans because like Silicon Valley Bank, we found the beauty of held to maturity securities and we just kind of made up numbers. So when First Republic started wobbling after Silicon Valley Bank started wobbling, nobody wanted to touch First Republic because it had all of these holes in their balance sheet. And so they were just sort of wobbling along for the past few weeks after Silicon Valley Bank failed. And then they had an earnings call about a week ago, last Monday, and they disclosed that customers had pulled out over $100 billion in deposits more than double the 40 billion that analysts were expecting and more and more deposits were leaving the bank. So Silicon Valley Bank failed because there was a Twitter bank run because they had done these dumb interest rate decisions and not hedged and then people freaked out and pulled money from the bank so there's a bank run. First Republic was experiencing a bank run as well but nobody had realized the extent of it until last Monday when they had this earnings call. And then the CEO was like, we're not taking any questions, which is just a horrible thing to do when you're in the middle of a crisis. Crisis. They had filled the hole on their balance sheet was through expensive loans from the Federal Reserve and the Federal Home Loan Bank. It was like, okay, so you're filling your balance sheet with these really, really expensive things. How are you going to make money in the future if people keep on pulling money from you? Everybody was like, First Republic is no longer a very viable business model. The biggest banks were like, listen, we'll throw 30 billion at First Republic to make sure that they don't explode and hopefully that'll take care of it. But First Republic was so deep in the hole. So going back to these expensive loans that they got from the Federal Reserve and the Federal Home Loan Bank, they borrowed 63.5 billion from the Federal Reserve discount window at a rate of 4.85%, which banks always have access to. But then they also borrowed 13.8 billion from a new Federal Reserve bank term funding program, which was established after Silicon Valley Bank. That was uh, like, oh boy, <laughs> they were using it. And then they also borrowed from the lender of second to last resort, the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco, to tw uh, about $28 billion. So 45%, and all of this is from the Net Interest Newsletter, 45% of First Republic's balance sheet was funded via government-sponsored schemes, up from 7% at the end of 2022. So First Republic was basically owned by the government at this point. We just needed to make it formal. They were paying money on their deposits, and they had these huge funding costs from the government programs that they were a part of, and they were only earning about 4% on the assets that they had. So their whole business model was completely effed, right? Like there was no way that they were going to survive they had fixed rate mortgages 
Normally, as Mark points out in the newsletter, the value of the deposit base would have risen to compensate, but as we know, customers were absolutely fleeing the bank, running for the hills. Nobody knew what to do. They had to be saved. The FDIC was like, listen, we don't want to touch this bank. It's disgusting. And also, we're not made of money. We just bailed out Silicon Valley Bank. We just don't have that type of dough to be bailing out all these banks. So they wanted a private sector deal to happen. The Fed didn't want to do another systemic clause because they didn't want to make uninsured deposits actually be insured deposits. Like that is sort of not the vibe that they were trying to give off. And now the FDIC is trying to redefine what insured deposits means. It's a whole nightmare. They were like, listen, banks, uh, big guys out there, we know that you donated 30 billion to First Republic, but can you buy First Republic? And JP Morgan, listen, I know that we said you couldn't buy Silicon Valley Bank because you're too big, because you have more than 10% of the deposit base of the United States of America. But now you're not too big. Can you, can you help? please? Can you make a bid? And so a lot of the banks made a bid and it was down between JP Morgan and PNC. JP Morgan ended up winning because PNC was like, listen, we'll structure a deal with BlackRock and Apollo, a private equity firm, and then an asset manager to get this bank survivable. The FDIC, the Fed, presumably were like, whoa, the politics of that would be a nightmare. It's already a nightmare that a bank is having to be bailed out again. But if we say, listen, BlackRock, which people are afraid of, and Apollo, you know, big hedge fund, private equity, whatever. Like if we say that they're going to be taking over the banking system, it's just going to look really bad. So JP Morgan, you win for the day. And also this theoretically would be the cheapest thing for the FDIC to deal with. The U.S. government did not have to declare systemic risks. All the deposits were taken over by JP Morgan. We'll assume the 92 billion in deposits of First Republic, insured and uninsured. They're going to buy most of the bank's assets, including 173 billion in loans and $30 billion in securities. And the FDIC will share the losses on First Republic's loans with JP Morgan. And that'll cost the FDIC insurance fund about $13 billion compared to the $20 billion that it costed them to bail out Silicon Valley Bank. JP Morgan will also re receive $50 billion in financing from the FDIC. Nobody really seems to know what that means. Um, there's a quote that from somebody who knows about it. They said, look upon it as a net number instead of giving them money for the deposits they assumed and then giving us cash for the assets we purchased, we netted out. They ended up owing us money in the end due to the bank having more assets than deposits. In this case, no cash exchanged hands. So instead we took a note, we either keep the note till, until maturity or sell it like banks do with loans. That's kind of the structure of it. It's kind of confusing. There's going to be more information coming out about it in the next few days. So I'll talk about it more presumably in a TikTok video. But yeah, everybody's kind of trying to figure out how this thing is structured and if the structure will work. So normally JP Morgan wouldn't be able to buy another bank because like I said, they have more than 10% of deposits in the United States of America, but that cap doesn't apply when the bank that they're acquiring is insolvent. Now they're like, JP Morgan is like, this is kind of cool. Like look at us being like what John Pierpoint Morgan imagined. One must imagine John Pierpoint Morgan happy. For JP Morgan, this is going to accelerate their wealth management strategy and give them more access to these super rich people. Also, it's really not that big of a difference. For JP Morgan has a $3.7 trillion balance sheet and First Republic was the nation's 14th largest bank. And this is really just a dent, right? Like they are assuming 92 billion in deposits and that is a percentage of 3.7 trillion. JP Morgan kind of got out of this a pretty good deal. The law sharing agreement with the FDIC is, is pretty sweet and like presumably will help. The question is, of course, what went wrong? The Silicon Valley Bank postmortem came out around the same time that First Republic was failing, which was sort of funny, but it was 
everybody's fault, right? So like First Republic, Silicon Valley Bank, terrible management, had no idea how to hedge, apparently. Lack of bank supervision and regulation. The Fed is essentially at fault here too for not paying attention or not paying attention in the right way. There wasn't enough staff on this sort of stuff. And, you know, the Biden administration came out and they were like, listen, we're trying to make sure that the banking crisis doesn't have contagion on the U.S. economy. We're trying to protect depositors, but we're also trying to have a political protection angle to this, right? Like we don't want to be seen as doing the too big to fail stuff all over again, because if we're doing multi-billion dollar bailouts of struggling banks, it'll look like that. So there's a really political tilt to this. And Modest Proposal had an interesting tweet where they were like, listen, if JP Morgan had just been able to intervene with Silicon Valley Bank at first, rather than being stopped because they were too big, First Republic probably wouldn't have failed because the contagion would have been stopped then. But then it became a crisis of confidence and people started freaking out even more. And so it just became this whole entire mess. And so now the whole questions are like the broader banking model, the politics of it, it's just goofy. And then regulators, like how strict are regulations going to become? What does this mean for the banking system that JP Morgan is essentially going to be like an implicit member of the Federal Reserve. If they decide not to give out loans to people, that's it. Like that is what the Fed is trying to do by raising rates is influence the banks, but the banks don't need the Fed at that point if they just decide not to do it. There's another interesting point about like what other sectors will get impacted by this. Somebody tweeted about the venture capital being evaluated in terms of liquidity coverage ratios because those guys are just out there, you know, they're just in the wind, just exposed. Right. And so like what happens to them? And there was an interesting quote from Citigroup, uh, someone at Citigroup. No one likes to see a bank fail. But that said, it's good to see the last remaining source of uncertainty resolved today. We should all feel pleased about that. And so the question is, is this last source of uncertainty resolved? Will the banking system stabilize? JP Morgan stable. That's for sure. So the big guys are okay. But what does it mean for the tiny guys, for the other banks out there? Lots of questions, not a lot of answers, but that's what happened with First Republic. I, I believe most of the systemic risk is stemmed now, but if it's not, Jamie Dimon will be there. Hope y'all are doing okay out there. Talk to you very soon. Questions, comments below. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. It'd be really helpful. But yeah, and this is also in a Notion document. I will probably write about it in the newsletter this week, call it It's also on my podcast. Let's appreciate. But yeah, talk to you soon. Bye.